So I have to tell a funny story that just happened in one of our songs there. You might have seen my wife and I almost in tears laughing. Um, I, we were, it was a beautiful song we were singing, and I was standing there, and I thought, oh, my back's a little sore. I better stretch and crack it. So I reached back to crack my back, and like every Hulk hero movie, my buttons <laughs> flew off my shirt. <laughs> and not that I had to come over here and pick up off the floor. I nearly, nearly took out Louise and John with the buttons on my shirt <laughs> mid-worship song. So things you don't want to happen mid-song. <laughs> oh. Um... Yeah, so a good start. Uh, <laughs> we've been focusing on uh, forgiveness for, for quite a while. Forgiveness and in terms of our identity as Christians, who we are, what makes us a Christian. We've been discussing all those things uh, a lot. We've been looking at inward, um, who we are inwardly. And uh, I want to carry that theme on a bit. I want to carry it on today and to talk about something that's really important. Uh, even though it's a really short section of Scripture, it's a really important section of Scripture that I want to talk about. And I think... We've probably heard sermons on it before. We've probably heard um, maybe even podcasts on it. I heard a great podcast about this section of Scripture. Uh, But it's a really short section of Scripture. We only find it in one of the Gospels. We only find it in Luke. And so sometimes it can be hard to preach on something that you only find one account of. And it's only a few verses. It's only four verses long. Um, But in light of where we are right now as a church, in light of the fact that we are on a road to health, we are on a road to doing new groups, new exciting things that we've never done in the life of this church before, events that we never had any idea were possible, in light of things like 250 people showing up at our fall festival this year, in light of some of these amazing things we are doing together as a church, it's really important to look at this section right here, right now. And so I'm going to look at Luke chapter 10. This is verses 38 to 42. And I'm going to read, I believe, the first time from the NIV. And then I'm going to read it again from a different translation. This is a story you might be familiar right away. This is a story of Mary and Martha. So I'll read it for you. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister who was called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she came to him and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answers. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is a really important part of Scripture. Likely, just from an understanding or a reading of that right there, we probably have some understanding of what this means for us practically. But I'm going to read another translation just to see if it maybe clarifies a few things or if it helps us go a little deeper. here. So I'm going to read from the message. The message says, As they continued along their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word that he said. But Martha was pulled away by all that she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them, and said, Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend a hand. The master says, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. Only one thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it. This is the main course, and it will not be taken away from her. 
So it's a little bit different in some of the things that it highlights, but I think we can all see where this is going. I think we can all see what this passage is saying. Today I'm going to talk about the most important thing that we can do in the life of the church. I'm going to talk about this idea of being a Mary versus being a Martha. And so first, let's discuss the two women, the two sisters. So Martha first. So Martha, we know a bit about Martha. We know the first thing that we know is that she opened her home to Jesus. It says she opened her home to him. Immediately, it says, when he entered the village. Jesus and his followers come into the village, and she gives them a place to stay. Now, this was a big deal in, in, in the time period that we're in here. And it's still a big deal here. We don't often have people opening their homes and allowing complete strangers to live in their home or to come find rest in their home. It, it can even be hard sometimes to find opening your home for family. I know family members who, who won't allow their own family members to come up to their cottage because, well, this is, this is mine. You know, you, you want a cottage, you should get your own cottage. It's quite a big deal, hospitality, to allow a bunch of strangers, and, and I should add, a bunch of strange men to come into your home. And this is 12 guys wandering around. Hospitality was commonplace, though, so it's a little bit, you know, expected for someone to show some hospitality. And so she opens her home up to these men and lets them come and find rest. Now, immediately, this idea of a woman opening her home to 12 men that are traveling has certain connotations about what kind of a woman would do that. But Martha says, too bad for what customs say, or too bad for what this may look like in the public image or in my figure. And she says, I'm going to welcome this guy, Jesus. I'm going to welcome his followers. And so she does a great job of opening her home. It says that they were made to feel at home. They were made to feel welcome. Now, this is the kind of thing that you aim for when you invite someone into your home. No one wants to go visit someone and feel really awkward about being there. When you go to someone's home or when you have someone in your home, the most important thing you could hope for is that they felt welcomed or that they felt at ease or that they felt natural and they felt at home. You want your guests to feel at home. The young adults come over to my house every week on Thursday nights, and none of them knock. They all just walk in, which is great, because that is what is expected. They all feel at home enough that on Thursday night, they can just come on in, use whatever door to the house they would like, and let themselves in. They all feel at home enough that they can go pet my dogs and say hello to my dogs. They know where the things in my house are. They know where the fridge is. They, they know where the washroom is. They can help themselves. They feel at home in my home, and that's the most that I could hope for as a host. Now, apparently, Martha has done a good job because it says they felt at home. We also know that Martha is obviously hardworking. It says she is very busy with all of the preparations that had to be made. And in antiquity, there was a lot of preparations that had to be made when guests were in your home. And it says she was busy doing them all. So she's doing all these things. She wants to make sure that all the work is done. It's not unlike having a guest over today. There are things that you have to do when you have a guest over today. There were customs back then that are important, and there are customs now that are important. If you're having guests over, typically, especially in the winter, if a guest comes over, you're going to offer to take their coat. You're going to expect that you'll hang their coat up for them or, or put it in another room. You're not going to expect that they'll somehow find the closet on their own and know where to put their coat. You'll probably offer them a drink of some sort. You may offer them uh, a coffee or a tea or some wine or a beer or water or whatever it is. You may offer them a drink to make them feel at home. If they're staying for many hours, perhaps they're staying over uh, the lunch or the dinner break, you'll probably offer food because you want your guests to feel comfortable. So we make sure we have things like snacks or, or beverages. Uh, we make sure that our house is at least 
not in a complete shambles. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure it's semi-clean. I imagine that many of us, when we know guests are coming over, spend the day before or perhaps the day of, the morning of, many hours cleaning the house top to bottom because we want our house to look nice for when a guest comes over. Uh, I usually know when my in-laws are coming because everything in the house, uh, including all of our couch covers, gets washed even if they were already done that week uh, because we have huskies, so there's always dog hair. So I know when we have guests over because we clean the whole house. And so Martha is busy being a good host. Martha is being a great host, in fact. She's so busy that she doesn't even have time to sit with her guests. She's busy serving her hosts the whole time. She was like many people in the church today. She saw a need and she filled it. She saw that there were things to be done and so she did it. She was busy working away, doing many things, and in this context, she was doing many things for the Lord. She was doing all these things to serve Jesus and his guests. She's doing all these things for her master. So that's Martha. We know a lot about Martha. Martha seems okay from the start. And now Mary. We don't know a ton about Mary just from this story, but we do know some things. We know that Jesus comes to her sister Martha's house. So she may live there. She may not live there. Perhaps she did. Perhaps she didn't. Some commentators disagree. But either way, she's the sister of the hostess. She's the sister of the person whose home is filled with guests. Now, most of us would likely assume that she should be helping her sister. It's like if you have a big dinner or a big party at your home, if I have a dinner at my house, if my mother is there and a bunch of people are over, you can bet my mother's going to be in the kitchen helping me. She's not going to sit out in the living room. She's going to feel obligated to help out in some way. She's family. She, she feels like she should be helping. You can bet she's going to be running around doing whatever tasks, feeling like even though it's not her home, it's her son's home, and so she should play hostess. And that's how most of us, I think, would act. And you'd almost expect Mary to be doing the exact same thing, helping her sister. You'd expect Martha's here serving these guys and on all their needs, and Mary should probably be helping, at least lending a bit of a helping hand. But we don't see that. Instead, we see Mary sitting around. We see her just sitting around and hanging out with Jesus and all the guests. We don't find Mary hard at work serving. We don't find her busy doing things or preparing or cleaning or fussing over how many things have to get done. We find her sitting. We find Martha doing all these things, but Mary is just relaxing at the feet of Jesus. Now, I want you to put yourself in Martha's feet for just a second. And imagine how frustrated you would feel. I mean, I bet most of us would feel frustrated in that situation. I bet most of us would say we were a little bit frustrated if you were busy doing so much and your sister is sitting there relaxing with your guests. And so Martha storms in, like I think many of us would, and the message version says she interrupted them. So you get this feeling that she's, she's so frustrated that she just has to come in and say something. She's, she's that exasperated. And she basically says, Jesus... Like, what the heck? Tell Mary to come in here and help me. This is ridiculous. I'm doing it all myself. Tell Mary to get off her butt and come help me. Look it, I'm doing everything, and, and she's just sitting there being lazy, right? We get this idea that she's obviously frustrated with her sister. She's annoyed. She's tired of doing this all by herself. She's tired of pulling all the weight. And she wanted Mary's help. And she wanted Jesus to validate that. She wanted Jesus to validate her feelings of frustration 
that she was doing so much and Mary's doing nothing. Perhaps she even wanted Jesus to praise her. She wanted Jesus to say, oh yes, Martha, you're doing so much. Mary, how dare you? And, you know, scold Mary and, you know, Mary, you should be more like Martha. She's amazing. Perhaps she even wanted praise for how much she was doing. But that's not what she got. In fact, she got the opposite. Jesus says, Martha, you're fussing over all these things. You're doing many things, and none of them are the right thing. None of them are the thing you should be doing. Mary has chosen the right thing, and the right thing is to sit with me. Imagine how Martha felt. She was probably not very excited by Jesus' response. She probably maybe even felt hurt by Jesus' response. She probably might have even felt maybe a little bit frustrated that Jesus would say such a thing. Now, I'm going to say something that other pastors, perhaps, may not like that I'll say. Um, And indeed, perhaps some of you may not like that I'll say it. Uh, But we have enough Marthas in our church. And I'm going to say Big C Church. We have enough Marthas in the church in Canada today. We don't need any more Marthas. We don't need more Marthas in our church. Churches are filled with people that are busy fussing over many things. Churches are filled with people that are so busy doing. So busy doing many things. So busy worrying about all the things that have to get done. Churches have pastors that are busy fussing over these small things, over these many little details. But see, the reality is, and Jesus makes it super clear, that those things, though they may seem important, are not what matters. They're not what ultimately matters. What ultimately matters is something else. We don't need more people in churches that want to be busy doing things at the church. It's wonderful to have volunteers, and volunteers are so needed. It's important to have people to volunteer because we simply don't have enough people to do everything. So it's important that we have people helping with ushering and in kids' church and and in counting and in volunteering on boards and committees. And those things are important, and they're good things, and they're nice, but it's not what Jesus says is the most important thing. It's not what Jesus says should be our focus. Jesus says the most important thing is what Mary chose to do. Jesus says the most important thing is what Mary did, to sit at his feet, to sit and commune with Jesus to sit and listen to Jesus, to sit and talk with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. See, pastors, a lot of times, not all pastors, but a lot of pastors and people in churches are great at being Martha. We're great at doing all the many things that need to get done, but we're not so great at being Mary. We'll volunteer to help tidy up the church on workdays. We'll be, we'll be there to serve on committees, to serve on boards, to help usher, to be involved in the youth ministry or the kids' ministry. We'll be there to help set up communion or the other plethora of tasks that have to be done. But we forget to take time to be intentional about sitting at the feet of Jesus. We forget to take time to stop and to simply be with Jesus. Mary chose not to spend her time busying herself, but Mary instead chose to sit and worship at Jesus' feet. It says in the message that she hung on every word he was saying. That shows how well she was listening, how invested she was listening. Mary chose to sit with him and talk with him, to intentionally do nothing but be at his feet. How often do you do that? How often do we 
do that? How much time do you take out of your week to sit and be still at the feet of Jesus? I hear church leaders like youth pastors or, or other pastors sometimes say how much they're doing all week. You know, how many meetings they go to, how many groups they run, how many visits they've taken that week perhaps, but I never hear how much time they spend in prayer. I never hear how many days they've spent intentionally doing nothing but seeking God's presence. How much time they spend sitting in silence and listening at the feet of Jesus. Because how can we ever expect to really know Jesus if we never stop and sit and let ourselves get to know him? Just like if a guest was in our home, we'll, we wouldn't account that a very good visit with our guest if we were in the kitchen the entire time the guest was there. We wouldn't have been spending any time with our guest and getting to know them, getting to fellowship with them. And like that, if all of our Christian experience is with doing the things that need to be done for the church, then we might be great Marthas, but I will guarantee we're not great Marys. We need to spend time intentionally being Mary. Francis Chan, I love Francis Chan because he's so radical, yet the things that he's saying are really not radical in any way that the church should have been saying them for 2,000 years. But he says, in one of his books, he says he tells all his staff, so everyone that worked in his church, and now he had a mega church, a very big church, thousands of people come on Sunday, so he had many, many staff. And he said to his staff, if they're too busy to spend at least one hour every single day in prayer or silence, listening at the feet of Jesus, then they're too busy doing all the wrong things. And that let him know because he'll find someone who's not too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus. Because they've forgotten to stop and be a Martha. At the last bunch of youth groups I used to run, actually at every youth group I used to run, uh, when we had worship, there were some of the groups we had worship every week and we had the worship band would play. And we used to have a rule that you couldn't lead worship every single event. You could only maybe lead two or three weeks out of the four weeks in a month. No one could lead all four weeks because you have to take time off. You need to be led in worship. You need to take time off and sit. You need to take time and let someone else do so that you can be with Jesus. This is so important. It's important to remember to take time to intentionally not do anything to intentionally sit and allow others to do. And maybe when you're allowing others to do, it might not get done, perhaps. But that's a risk we must take. And if it doesn't get done, then perhaps it's not a big deal that it didn't get done. A good example is this week. If you hadn't noticed, I hadn't changed the sign since Halloween. Uh, for the last two Sundays, it said, come trick or treat here on Halloween. I hadn't changed the sign. I was pretty sure no one was going to show up because everyone knows what Halloween is. Like, they're not going to show up a random day. But I hadn't changed the sign, honestly, because I was just too busy. I had too many things that I was doing, and I hadn't gotten around to it yet, and that was lower on my list of priorities. And then I realized that if it's this low and I'm not being able to take the time to do it, I need to ask someone else to do it. I need to ask someone else to help out. It only takes maybe a half an hour each week, maybe not even that, 20 minutes to change that time, but I realized that I needed those 20 minutes. I needed that half an hour to take time and intentionally sit with Jesus. I needed that extra half an hour. I didn't have that extra half an hour. So I needed that time to be a Mary. So for a few weeks, I haven't changed that sign because I chose that I wasn't going to be a Martha. I was going to be a Mary. 
So I decided we would ask someone else to do it. And actually this week, Carly and I chatted and we said, well, we'll ask someone else to do it. And before we could even ask someone else to do it, it was like God reminded me and someone emailed me volunteering to do it, saying, hey, I'd love to do this. And it was like this subtle reminder from God saying, hey, I know you have a tendency to want to do all the time. Uh, When you stop for a minute and be, I'll remind you that there's lots of people who can do. I'll remind you that you don't have to do it all on your own. Now, I'm not trying to discourage you from getting involved in the church. I'm not trying to discourage you from volunteering because it's really important to serve. It's really important to do things. What I'm trying to say is that there is a matter of importance and it's more important to be at the feet of Jesus than it is to do. If your doing far outweighs the time that you spend sitting with Jesus, if your doing of tasks, if your busyness and your fussing around to do far outweighs how much time you spend communing with Jesus, in silence with Jesus, or praying, then perhaps you need to look at your life and seriously ask, are you being a Martha when you should be a Mary? Now, we need many hands in the church. There are still lots of places for you to get involved in the church. In in this church especially, there's lots of things to get done. Absolutely, there's lots of things. But all I'll say is before you jump and do that next task, before you busy yourself even more doing, take a second and ask how much time you're spending sitting. How much time are you spending doing nothing? How much time are you spending in silence listening for the small voice of God? How much time are you spending communing with him? So what I'll say is make sure before you jump up and volunteer at that next thing that we need a hand with, make sure you're spending enough time with the Lord. Make sure you're spending enough time sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because there are many blessings to sit at the feet of Jesus. There are many blessings to be found when you intentionally take time to sit and be instead of do. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, you'll get truth. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, you'll find rest. You'll find forgiveness. At the feet of Jesus, you'll find grace and mercy and acceptance. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, you'll find hope, you'll find joy, you'll find freedom, and you'll find purpose. And when you sit at the feet of Jesus, you'll find peace, and you'll find courage, and you'll find strength. And when you take time to sit at the feet of Jesus, you'll find salvation. You'll find Jesus' presence. But that's only if you take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. You'll find all these things and so much more at Jesus' feet if you take time to stop being a Martha and instead to be a Mary. Because this is the most important thing, as Jesus said. And if you do this, those things will not be taken away from you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for the example of Mary and Martha. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons that we can glean. God, we're sorry that sometimes we forget. Lord, we forget to be a Mary. Sometimes we're so busy doing, we forget to take time out and sit and be with you. And Lord, we we know that we can only find you when we sit at your feet. Lord, those things are found with you. We need to take time to be with you. So Father, help us to look inside each of our own hearts. Help us to evaluate how we spend the time here on this earth. And God, are we spending it with busyness? Or are we doing the important thing and sitting with you at your feet, listening 
and hanging on every word you say. Lord, let that be our challenge today and the rest of this week. Father, let us choose to be a Mary and to sit at your feet. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.